Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast, a series for recruiters by recruiters. I'm Danny Reinert, and in each episode, I have candid conversations about careers in recruitment with some of the best talent that Teamings has to offer. They'll be giving you a glimpse into the highs and lows of their recruitment careers, their motivations and drivers, and their secret to success in the industry. You can listen and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and other favorite podcast platforms. Let's meet our next guest. Good afternoon, Dan. How are you doing? Hello. Yeah, good, good. You're all right? Yes, very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us as uh, the fourth in our Secrets of Success series, but the first one of 2021. So uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. Unbelievable. Yeah, (laughs) we left you till four. Unbelievable. Um, good stuff. So uh, today we're gonna have a bit of a chat, sort of 20-25 minutes. Um, want to get a bit of an insight into you and your career and, and your role at Eames, um, and also get a, a good insight into technology at Eames because uh, I know there's a lot of exciting stuff going on in that space at the moment. So, um, with that in mind, could you give us a brief overview of your career to date in recruitment? Sure. So, what was it? Started in 2009 many moons ago same uh, as me we're showing yeah. our age yeah yeah I mean you would be able to see all the gray hairs if I hadn't uh, gone for the old COVID cut but, uh, <laughs> um 2009 I so I started at S3 associate consultant um doing the infrastructure market doing a lot of kind of databases core network stuff on the tech side um uh, worked my way through to managing the technology team at S3 uh, for Huxley in particular, which was one of the brands. Um, I then became promoted to a business manager for the wider Huxley business, which incorporated technology and financial services. Um, and that then transpired into managing Orgtel and real staffing, which were some, some other technology focused and financial services focused brands within S3. So yeah. I was really fortunate to have a 10 year career there, loved my journey. Uh, and came over to Eames in 2018, just over two and a half years ago now. Yeah. Um, and I haven't looked back since. Oh, that's good to hear. A great couple of years. Good. Um, so that's a really good stint at S3 while you were there. So we see people kind of move around a fair bit in the recruitment market sometimes. You get that phrase of, you know, a bit jumpy on the CV. You certainly couldn't be called that. What What do you, what, what, how, what advice would you give to people when they're thinking about kind of moving role and choosing the right opportunity and kind of thinking about that longevity? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, you know, look, Sometimes it's inevitable and, and, and people make decisions which unfortunately just don't work out. But I think mm. the key is to try to take out any possible um, kind of part of guesswork to, to any decision like that that you make. So get to understand you yourself as a recruiter, what's important yeah. to you in your career, not only now, but also in a year's time, two years time, five years time. Mm. Um, you know, and if you don't know what, you know, where you want to be in five years, then my advice is always make a decision where you've got options that are open. So go to an organization where you might be able to, to go down a couple of different avenues, potentially. Yeah. You're not, you're not pigeonholed into one, one particular place at yeah. one particular time. But I think it's just doing your research, getting to know people, you yeah. know, do all the basics. Imagine, imagine your candidates and what they go through throughout the process of, of picking a, a, you know, maybe a perm job as opposed to maybe a contract job. But mm. you know, they will want to know absolutely everything they can about that organization. And, and you should be doing the same thing. 
Yeah, and I suppose part of it as well, if I think about our interview process when we're hiring, which um, which you're very actively doing at the moment, so we'll come yeah. on to that in a minute, um, is, is making sure that people feel through the process that they've got the space and the availability to ask any question that they want, if you know what I mean. You know, and when we've got candidates going through that process, we're all re- always really encouraged, aren't we, if we see people that are asking loads of questions and want to know and want to know about our vision and our future and they want to know how we use KPIs and they want to know what their target will be if they started. And people candidates shouldn't be afraid through an interview process of asking all of those questions, should they? Yeah, absolutely not. I think that it's with what we do, information is king, right? It's part yeah. of our jobs, and it's no different when we're when we're vetting, you know, which, which organisation we want to go and work for. So, mm. you know, definitely for me personally, people start peppering me with questions. I love it. Yeah. As long as they're, they're good questions and they're thought through, and it's not just a question for a question's sake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Fact. but I mean, I remember even before I joined Eames, I actually referenced uh, Eames as a business from a couple of clients. And I went down that route. You know, nice. We do that again as part of our jobs. We take references. It's what we do. It's part of a process to validate how good a particular applicant is or how good a particular company is. Mm. Why shouldn't we do that? You know, for our absolutely. own absolutely apply it to your own job search. Yeah, yeah I like it. We've got to help ourselves too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Dan, tell me in in a, in a snapshot what your role at Eames is right now, and kind of what your what your remit is and your focus. Sure. Okay. So in in summary, I'm responsible for the strategy and the growth and the operations of our technology business, which encompasses mm-hmm. Herman Contract um, separately with Angel Desk as well as our wider contracts business. So be it business yeah. change and transformation, finance, risk, compliance, account. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, thank you very much. That was in a nutshell. I like that, good. Um, and if you think about your, firstly, I, I, I want to kind of split this question out into two. We're at the beginning of the year, it's January, people are thinking about 2021, their goals, etc. Firstly, I'd like to understand what your goals are for that function of that division this year. Um, and then I want to understand what your kind of personal goals are as well this year. So um, what, let's start with the business side of things. What does good look like? What are the goals? Sure. So, I mean, look, our, our main our main goal, and like many other businesses, will be financially to make sure that we can see some growth. Um, yeah some stability but also to make sure from a headcount perspective we can also see some some growth mm-hmm. i mean we've been we've been really really fortunate in that you know last year for us uh, ended up being a fantastic year you know we we turned the profit every month since march um, yeah. you know which if you were to, to to say that to us back in march and going into all of this that that would be the case i don't think anyone yeah. quite you know believed that that it would have been so we're really mm-hmm. really thankful um uh, that you know how things have turned out but we've also put a lot of work to get to that point but uh, but that's basically meant that our, our kind of our, our strategy so to speak for 2021 is to be able to really look at the areas that we can see big potential growth in and one of those is technology yeah uh, um, you know amongst others within the core verticals that we're in and to make sure that we can position ourselves to be able to uh, to take advantage of that you know, yeah. for us headcount and hiring is going to be a massive massive part of, of yeah. how we go about achieving that. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. You mentioned there, um, Eames kind of making a profit each month through uh, through this period, you know, since March, etc. Something we're really proud of. I think we're, we're always very careful at Eames, aren't we? Because we don't want to come across as boastful or, you know, look at us, look at us. But, you know, it, it is a great achievement that we've done that. 
what would you on reflection put that down to whether it's you know obviously your tech guys did a storming job um but you know just as a business we did perform very well um and i've caught myself a few times speaking to candidates saying oh we've been really lucky to do that well we weren't lucky because we made it happen so what do you think it was that really made that happen for us that success through what is a pretty tough period in the market yeah by the way you're absolutely spot on it it is difficult to talk about it and not kind of try to you know not coming across a bit like salesy boastful but we've done a smashing Um, job we've done really well (laughs) yeah you know we have and and we should be proud of it you know we should advertise that fact you know um for sure but i think look it came down to a number of different things for me the main thing was the accountability that that a lot of our consultants took on board right we are we've got a very good population of people we well and truly do have a high performing culture and in, in, in when the market is tough things like that really stand out and you can kind of see the the quality but the mindset most importantly of, of the staff that you've got yeah. um look I think making sure that people have the, the all the tools that are available and, and the right infrastructure and the right setup to be able to actually go about doing their day jobs uh, yeah. you know and taking away some of that stress and and, and and I guess some of that kind of you know um anxiety of doing a job where, where the conditions aren't optimal you know yeah. much you can take away from that the better, which is, which is kind of what we managed to do with, with, with how we approach things mm. and just ensuring that we stayed close to our people, but didn't, you know, I guess what's the best way of putting it, didn't kind of suffocate people or overmanage people, over police people, yeah. um, like many companies did, you know, naturally if companies feel a bit of pressure, they can automatically think, oh God, well, let's make sure we put more pressure on everybody else. I'm feeling pressure. Everyone else needs to feel pressure. Mm. Whereas the reality is, as we know, that that's not what gets the best out of people. No, absolutely. And it was a, it was a transition, wasn't it? There has been a shift. And I think, you know, I empathise with, with people in, in your position, you know, management roles, managing salespeople that, you know, we're used to, you know, since 2009, you're used to being in an office with salespeople, seeing who's on the phone, seeing who's doing what. And there is an element of you can see the engagement, you can see the hard work. Um, we, we have had to make a bit of a shift to looking more at data as a business. That's something that's kind of a key objective for this year, better use of our CRM system and things like that. Um, and I wouldn't say we've had a big shift to we're all about KPIs or anything, because I think that would be completely wrong. But people are very interested now and involved in their own activity figures week to week, aren't they? And, you know, kind of looking in more detail at the data and conversion ratios and how we use KPIs. Give give us a bit of insight into how you view things like KPIs, because sometimes it's a dirty word, isn't it? And people try and avoid it. But I think through lockdown, we've we've really come into our own in how we use that sort of data in the business. Yeah, Yeah, spot on. And I think when when you talk about KPIs, I mean, the other word that often gets kind of merged together with KPIs is micromanagement. They're the kind of two here kind of side by side all the time. And I think the challenge with KPIs is they get given a bad, you know, name because not because of what they represent, but because of how they're enforced, I think more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, that's a good point. Me, uh, and to kind of how, I guess, how we run KPIs across across our division mm. as collective is, is they're seen as your ingredients to, um, to success, right? So mm-hmm. whatever you're trying to achieve for the quarter, for the year, whatever it is as part of a particular project, whether it's business development, whether it's candidate-led, whatever it is that you're focusing on, you have to have a list of, of kind of activities uh, and ingredients, so to speak, that you put in. Yeah. Really, when KPIs are done correctly, it's about assessing for any particular individual what would work best for them, right? What can they implement? 
the most comfortably? What are they happy doing? Um, you know, what can they convert higher in terms of efficiencies, percentages, ratios, and making sure that together, us and consultants and managers and whoever else in the business, same thing goes for myself, making sure that together you can kind of decide, you know, what your focus is going to be. So which ones, which yeah. five ingredients out of that list of 15 are you mm. going to focus on in particular? Yeah. What do your numbers need to be? You know, that whole work your desk backwards. Well, mm. absolutely it is spot on, but you need to know what your end result is going to be in the first place. In order absolutely. To work yeah. And I think you, you mentioned. Love KPIs. Um, if they're used correctly. Yeah. And if you understand what your full range of KPIs are in the first place. Yes, understood. Right. Business develop, make X amount of phone calls, whereas there's no real substance behind that. They need to be a bit more specific. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And I think what we're always trying to do, isn't it? Look at um, there needs to be a level of quantity um, in terms of, you know, you need you need to be doing enough of the right activities to get results. But we're always driving that quality metric as well, aren't we? That's where we're kind of looking at those conversion ratios across EAMS as well. Yeah. Cool. Uh, talk us through, Dan. Give us an insight into because we all I've said this before on a couple of the other the secrets of success. We talk about success and how to be great at doing recruitment and you know top tips for recruiters. And I'll ask you a bit about that in a moment. But what we don't always talk about as much is the tough periods. And I think everybody's had them in recruitment. I've I've had more than my fair share. <laughs> um, talk. Give us an insight into a really tough period that you had in your career um, and how you kind of pushed through that and kept going. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, look, as as a biller, um, so I was a contract biller for 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 the uh, the biggest part of, of my career. Um, mm -hmm. But I remember I, I was running just over a ten k a week book, and I remember that getting absolutely knocked down within the space of around three months due to market conditions. Um, you know, a couple of kind of key clients. Mm -hmm you know, kind of closing up shop and, and all the natural things, everything that could possibly go wrong as isolated events <laughs> kind of came together. The perfect storm, the perfect storm. Perfect storm. Yeah, it, it was the perfect storm. And I remember my runner book just going from about 10 and a half K a week or there or thereabouts down to, I think it was just under 3K a week. Um, yeah, and I remember looking at that and just thinking, wow, that's like every, everything that I'd worked towards was to get to 10K a week, get to 10K yeah. a week. Um, and I think I was about maybe three years, four years into my career. So it's still kind of fairly early on. Yeah. And I remember just looking at that thinking, how how am I going to have the energy to rebuild, to get back up? You know, mm -hmm. that's a long time to get to that point. Um, but you look at it and you just remember why, why you're doing this for the first place. You know, why, yeah. why do you come into the office? You know, everything from earnings and what that's going to get for you and family life and, you know, feeling success and seeing kind of incremental gains and you just kind of, kind of lift your socks back up you've got to learn from your mistakes mm. and you know I definitely did that I, I never you know um kind of left myself overexposed into a handful of clients again ever yeah. since that point it was always making sure I've got more clients and yeah. a wide kind of client width even if it means spending less time with one but you know a wider breadth um and, you know, I hate to say it, but you kind of just have to get on with it, but with a positive mindset. I think a lot of people can look back negatively and can think negatively, but mm. negativity breeds negativity and you've got to shake it off and, and get back on the horse. Yeah, absolutely. Makes yeah. a lot of sense. 
so are. that kind of resilience and you did it staying in the same business as well didn't you and, and so a lot of people you know I'll be honest I did it you know when my runner book took a nosedive I was like oh actually this could be a good time to look at somewhere else now because I'm not tied into this big contractor book anymore but you 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 kind of had that resilience to to see it through would you say that in terms of your your, your kind of top um, piece of advice for people in recruitment, those kind of secrets of success, would you say resilience and that kind of patience to rebuild and things like that when times are hard, would that be up there as one of them? Yeah, I think it definitely is. I mean, look, there's a lot of these recruitment cliches and, and you know, kind of buzzwords that get flown about, but they get flown about so often because they are accurate and they hold a lot of weight. Yeah. And I think the resilience part, absolutely. And the patience part, absolutely. You know, coming back to, you know, to, to kind of, I guess, people leaving companies when, when books did. I mean, I won't lie, the thought went through my head and, you know, you do get approached and you kind of think, right, if I am going to go, it's the optimal time. Mm. What are assess your reasons for, for wanting to look elsewhere? If it's, if it's just because your runner book's taken a dip and you, you want kind of a fresh challenge on something, that may not be the right reasons. There has to be some fundamental flaws, you yeah. know, um, for you to, to look elsewhere, in my opinion anyway. But, you know, many people have jumped ship and made a, and made a great success out of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thinking about sort of people moving jobs and stuff like that, it kind of brings me on to, you know, talking about Eames and, we obviously you've talked us through kind of the tech business at Eames and uh, the tech and contract piece, contract and perm. We're not necessarily, when you think technology, one of these big, the big players necessarily, or that's not necessarily how we're perceived all the time, because Eames's heritage is people often think insurance um, and obviously change and transformation, breaking that kind yeah. of space. So, and you know, we just got to be honest about that. You know, we're on a really exciting journey. We've been doing tech for a long time, but we're like on this upward trajectory now, which is very exciting. But if you, you know, what, you know, what would you say to experienced tech recruiters, contract or perm that may be watching this today that, you know, why they should consider Eames as the, as the next move for them in their tech recruitment career? Yeah, yeah. Great question and one I'm, I'm more than happy to answer uh, because, you know, I do think a lot of it is down to perception as it's yeah. right now. I think that if you look at our, if you actually look at our business, I, I was talking to, to the CFO recently, if you have a look at some of the, the stats and figures, I think we're now close to 50% of our revenue globally um, across Eames coming from technology-led recruitment, right? Yeah. Which is massive when, when you think about the different divisions we've got mm. um, and maybe where we were a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, for me, one, we've got massive room to grow um, within Eames in terms of one headcount, two revenue, three clients. You know, we've got runners across 61 different clients from a contract mm. perspective, plus more from a perm perspective. Uh, so there's lots of opportunity for us within technology into financial services. Yeah. Uh, but then there's also the whole realm of looking at technology outside of financial services, given how industry agnostic it is. Yeah. One is kind of the market where we're positioned. We've already got a good footprint. We've already got a good runner base in terms of contractors mm. and contractors on the market. Um, our people, we've got some very good principal level consultants who've been with mm. the for a good number of years. Yeah. Uh, who, who we aren't kind of churning and who aren't leaving the business and who are committed mm. to that growth journey with us. And also from a leadership perspective, I think one of the things that we've got going for us is we've got a lot, a lot of experience, um, you know, at the top, you know, coming from 
the likes of yourself, you know, Danielle, from an L&D perspective, you know, you've got over 10, 11, 12 plus years experience. Yeah. Um, you know, ex-top biller. We'd still be a top biller if we let her on the tool. <laughs> I've considered it a few times, haven't I? <laughs> Uh, Matthew Eames, get her back on the tools. That's another five <laughs> year. Um, but you know, we've got yourself, Danielle. We've got Mark. Um, you know, from a client perspective. So Mark and I work. That's Mark Thomas. We work very, very um, closely together. You know, Mark is is responsible for a lot of our client strategy um, and driving that, and you know, our, our kind of outwardly facing um, business development tasks. Uh, myself more on the operational piece but Mark's got again over 10 years I think close to 15 years technology experience you know top biller uh, then you've got myself so collectively that's that's over 30 years of leadership in technology um, that we can draw on and you know not only being there billing for for kind of established companies but we've all got experience growing desks and growing businesses so I think we've got a lot going for us yeah good opportunity with a client base good headcount good current stability of a contractor book plus perm nfi and we're in the right markets you know we've done Mm. that we've done the research we've done all we put all the infrastructure in place we've got all the tools we really now need you know good bodies and good heads who want to come and join us on that journey that's our our biggest focus for, for 2021 Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're on a mission, aren't we? I suppose the only other thing I would add to that when I, I know when I moved companies as a biller is when you do go to a business that is, is purely just tech and they've got loads and loads of people. Sometimes those verticals and those markets can be sliced and diced pretty small, can't they? So I think my observation when I'm speaking to candidates, because I interview people for us through that, that internal hiring process, is we've kind of got this balance of we want people to come in and be vertical specialists within our for specialisms um but within that there's actually loads of room for people to come in and put their stamp on it and take ownership of areas of that of those verticals and not be too tightly pigeonholed and oh i've already got those clients and oh that's my area you know this is a really good time for people to come in and and kind of take a chunk of something that's quite exciting and take ownership of it isn't it absolutely i think i think it's a rare we've kind of got a rare opportunity whereby the clients are there, the infrastructure is there, a lot of the setup is there. There's still room to grow outside of that and to do new business and mm. want people to have a new business strategy when it comes yeah. to development. But the reality is, is there is so much there already for people to go after. But because of, of how we position technology, and what I mean by that is if you look at two, two and a half years ago, um, there wasn't a, a defined technology division mm. spread out within the business. Yeah. Right? we've got a defined technology division and because of that we're, we're growing and we can put people into particular verticals like data like cyber like yeah. infrastructure cloud etc but it means that it's still in its infancy in terms of headcount but not in terms of desk and market yeah, and that's yeah. Quite how makes a lot of sense most other businesses they try to bring people in to then grow out a desk whereas we've got desks but we need to bring people in to make sure yeah maximize it absolutely uh, which is a great problem to have i'll take yeah. that any day of the week than the other Absolutely. Well, look, Dan, thank you so much. That was um, a really good insight. Thank you. Gave us good insight into tech and you and Eames. Um, So thank you very much for your time today and uh, and have a good rest of your week. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Bye.